You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, church family, so excited that you're joining me today. I believe I have a word for you that's going to encourage you during this holiday season. Uh, Before I get into that, though, I just want to say a special thank you to all of our friends at Global Ventures, which is our missions organization that we partner with on a monthly basis. Uh, Thank you so much. They're allowing us to use their auditorium while we are looking for a new space and a new building for our church to meet in. And so all of our Global Ventures team, thank you guys so much for opening your space and and helping us uh, record our online services. It's been a huge blessing. Uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love the holiday season. I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love the the food, the music, the lights. Uh, I love the fact our family is a big um, Christmas movie family. And so I love the fact that after dinner, we can get together and we can turn off all the lights in the house and the Christmas lights from the tree is glowing. We can put a fire in the fireplace and we can watch a Christmas movie together. There's just literally something magical about it. And I I love everything about it. And I don't know about you, but I remember growing up, um, you know, as we get into the Christmas season, there is this ongoing tension between parents and kids the closer that we get to Christmas. And let me show you what I mean. I don't know if you remember, maybe as a parent, you know this, but uh, maybe you can remember when you were a kid growing up. But as you get closer to Christmas, you uh, begin to see Christmas presents and Christmas gifts show up under the tree. I can remember coming home from, uh, from school one particular day, and some of our grandparents had mailed us some of our Christmas presents. And I remember them showing up under the tree, coming home from school, and I had gifts under the tree. We didn't always have a ton of gifts under the tree, but I remember this particular. And I remember going under there, and, and what's the temptation, right? When you start to see gifts show up under the tree... The temptation is to push the limits as much as possible without opening it, right? So you go over there, you pick it up, you shake the box, you try to sneaky and 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 kind of pick at the corner to see what the box looks like under the wrapping, right? And you're trying to push the limits just to see how far you can get to try to figure out what is in that gift. You cannot wait to open your Christmas present. And I can remember this, this awful phrase that's in every kid's life around Christmas, and it's this this awful phrase of, do not open until Christmas. (laughs) Do not open until Christmas. That's basically a a curse word to a kid, right? Do not open until Christmas. Why? Why is that such a bad thing for kids? Because I think for kids, time is a tough thing to wrap your mind around. We have an eight-year-old son named Gavin, and uh, I could tell him today, hey, there's 15 more days until Christmas. And he would look back at me and he would say, well, how long is 15 days? And I would say, well, it's a little over two weeks. And he would look at me and he would say, well, how long is a week? And I would say, well, it's seven days. And we could just go back and forth and back and forth until uh, both of us are blue in the face. But it's tough for him to wrap his mind around a week or a month because it seems like a long time to him. But for someone my age or maybe your age, the more that you grow and the more that you're here on this earth, you realize that time is a little bit easier to understand. I can think 15 days till Christmas and I can think to myself, Christmas is gonna be here really, really soon. But I say that to my eight-year-old son and he thinks it's gonna take forever to get here. You know, there's a difference between our perspectives on time. And here's the thing. I think in that waiting period, when you see a gift under the tree for you, And that waiting period until Christmas morning, that time is so crucial because I think you can relate to it for the rest of your life, right? I think many times this happens spiritually. Have you ever been reading God's word, 
Maybe you're listening to a message and you hear a promise from God or you read a promise from God, how God wants good things for you. He wants healing for you. He wants wisdom for you. He wants to provide for your needs. And you hear that and you pray for that. But whenever you say amen, it doesn't happen right away. Maybe it takes a little bit of time. Maybe your healing takes a little bit of time. Maybe the the decision on what you should do next takes a little bit of time to show up. And what happens? There's a waiting period. And today, that's what I want to talk about is what do we do whenever God's timing doesn't align with our own? Because I think all of us can relate to this right here. Have you ever prayed for something and you didn't receive the answer right away? Obviously, yes. I think almost all of us have. Maybe there has been times where you prayed and immediately something changed, immediately something shifted. And honestly, that's how we should pray. We we should pray with that kind of faith and expectancy that when I say amen, something's going to change. But sometimes we have to learn the principle of waiting on the Lord. How do we wait on the Lord for our healing, for our uh, restoration of that relationship, for that sign from God or that wisdom on what we should do next? How do we wait on the Lord? And I think as we grow, though we may be adults, we can still relate to the kid inside of us that says, man, it feels like a long time from when that gift opened, when I saw that gift under the Christmas tree and when Christmas Day showed up. Sometimes we will see gifts and good things in God's word and we will pray for it, but we don't always experience it until God says, now is the time for you. Now is the time. Do not open until Christmas morning. But what do we do in the waiting? What do we do in that season of, I see it, Lord, I believe it, but I'm not experiencing it just yet. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to look at Luke chapter one. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and get that out. We'll turn to Luke chapter one. I'm going to read from the new King James version today, Luke chapter one. And uh, we're going to look at the song of Mary. In fact, that's the title for today's message, the song of Mary. And this is the song of Mary. This is Mary's response to the announcement that she is going to have the, the honor, the privilege, the responsibility of carrying, of birthing, of raising the Son of God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but like no pressure, right? Like think of the the amount of weight and responsibility that she is feeling during that time. Yeah, hey, no pressure, but you're going to have to raise the Son of God. You're going to have to birth the Son of God. It's all uh, on you to do this and to keep him alive. I'm sure she felt a little bit of some pressure. Uh, So here's what happens. The angel Gabriel, he goes to Mary and he tells her God's plan right? He gives her a word from the Lord. And as they finish this interaction between Mary and the angel Gabriel, there's these two verses that I think are really encouraging and kind of set, um, set the, the foundation of what I want to talk about today. It's Luke 1, starting in verse 37. This is the end of their uh, interaction. This is Gabriel. He says this, for with God, nothing will be impossible. And I don't know about for you, but I love that verse right there because many times in life, we're going to face impossible situations where we feel like, It is impossible, but uh, God's word constantly reminds us for with God, with God, that's the important thing. Nothing will be impossible. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's skip down to verse 45. It says this, blessed is she who believed for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Here's what we see from Mary. Mary gives us a great model of responsive obedience. 
we see something in God's word or we receive a word from the Lord, from his word, from a message that we're listening to during our quiet time, we receive something from the Lord. And then what happens next? Mary shows us how to respond in obedience. And what she says is basically this. Look, if God said it, I believe it and I'm going to see it through. If God said it, I believe it and I'm going to see it through. The opposite is not what we want to do. The opposite is if God, uh, or the opposite is also true. If God didn't say it, I don't believe it and I don't receive it, right? I think many times we can hear words from other people, words from our culture, words from the world, and we have to learn to identify. It's what Jesus said. Jesus said we would hear his voice and the voice of a stranger we would not follow. We have to learn to identify, does that word spoken over me from my boss, from my parent, does that align with God's word? If it doesn't, I don't believe it and I don't receive it. But here's what we're going to look at. The Song of Mary. The Song of Mary gives us insight into what we are to do while we wait on the Lord. Mary gets this word from the Lord. But then there's a period of time when she's pregnant before she gets to hold the promise of her son, of the Son of God in her hands. There's this period of time and she shows us what are we to do. And here's what I want to show us today from it is how do we praise in the waiting? How do we praise in the waiting? Because let's be honest, have you ever prayed for something? You didn't see it happen right away. And the last thing you felt like doing was singing a worship song or praising God. Many times our feelings don't align with what we should be doing, but I think Mary gives us some great insight into this. So this song, this is Mary's song, which is actually taken from the song of Hannah found in 1 Samuel. And I want us to listen carefully to these words as I read them, and we're going to see how it applies to our life. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46, it says this, Mary responded, and she says this, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. And finally, verse 55, For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. I think here's some key takeaways. Whenever we choose to praise in the waiting, some key takeaways that we can take from the song of Mary is this, is the first thing that Mary does is that Mary magnifies the Lord. What does she say? Some key verbiage here. She says, the mighty one is holy. He shows mercy. I rejoice in him. What is she doing? All through the song of Mary, she is humbling herself and she is magnifying and exalting the Lord. And in doing so, she is stepping into his presence with praise and with thanksgiving. And she's exalting him, all the while reminding herself that she is lowly, she is humble, and she is nothing without him. So she magnifies the Lord. The second thing that she does is Mary reminds herself of God's mighty works. And this is something that we can take away from the song of Mary. She says this, uh, he has done great things. I, rem- I love that because she's reminding himself he's done great things and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. She, it says his, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has filled the hungry. He is faithful, what, to his promises, to our ancestors, and from 
generation to generation. She's reminding herself of his faithfulness, of his goodness, that he's done it before and he can do it again. And he's going to continue to do good works, mighty works, tremendous works. And so I love it because um, our praise to God should reflect those two things today in the modern world. Whenever we choose to praise in the waiting, God gave us a word. We see a promise in his word, but we're not experiencing it yet. And we say, I'm going to praise while I wait for that promise to manifest or to show up in my life in the natural. Those two things, we should magnify God and not our problem. Let me say that again. We need to magnify God and not our problem. Many times, whenever we pray, we are blowing our, uh, the problem out of proportion. We're almost magnifying the problem over our Lord, our mighty Savior, our, mag- our, our mighty God. We need to magnify God and not magnify the problem. The second thing, we need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness to His Word. His faithfulness to His Word. If He's done it before, He will do it again. If he's, if he's done the miraculous before, he's going to do the miraculous again. He is still a miracle-working, way-making God, and he wants to be, and he wants to prove himself faithful in your life. So let's get practical with this as I kind of wrap up here. We need to learn to praise in the waiting because we've all been in that situation where we've seen a good thing from God, but we're not experiencing it yet. Just like the kids seeing a Christmas present with your name on it under the Christmas tree but you can't open it just yet. And you're learning to wait on the Lord. Lord, what do I do in that season of waiting? We need to praise in the waiting. And here's why. Because when you choose to praise in the waiting, it does three things. The first thing is this. The first thing is that it will build your faith. And if you're taking notes today, which I encourage you to do, take notes, write this down on a piece of paper, maybe in your phone. It will build your faith. When you choose to praise in the waiting, it will build your faith. Look at Psalm 27, verse 13. It says this, I would have lost heart. Remember that I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have unless I believed God is what he's saying. Verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Can I tell you that it's easy to say, wait on the Lord. But it oftentimes is difficult to live that out. Just like a kid waiting for Christmas, it's difficult to be patient. When you grow up and whenever you're facing things, you're not just waiting to open a Christmas present, but maybe you're waiting for healing to manifest. Maybe you're waiting for a relationship to be restored or for your marriage to find healing or for forgiveness to show up in a relationship It can be tough to wait on the Lord. But let me remind you of God's word in this. When you praise, praising feeds your faith. It will feed your faith. And faith invites God to strengthen your heart in the waiting. In fact, that's what verse 14 says. It says, he, God, shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And this is why I would say this. When you don't feel like worshiping, It's oftentimes the best and the most important time to worship. When your flesh and your feelings don't feel like worshiping, it is oftentimes the best and the most important thing and time to worship. It's the most important time when you don't feel like it. Why? Because God's word just showed us in verse 14 there, what? You will find your strength there. 
God will strengthen your heart. And so in the waiting, many times you're going to find yourself being weak. You're going to find yourself wanting to be discouraged. You're going to find yourself in a time where I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like reading my Bible. But I can tell you from experience that that is the time, the most important time to deny your flesh, crucify your flesh, and step into the presence of God through praise and through worship. I can tell you this by just this past month in, in our life personally, not only with the news with our church, I had a, a great temptation that with our building being sold and us having to pack things up and look and not having a new space just yet, there has been a great temptation to be discouraged in this season. On top of that, there were some personal things that were going on in my life and Leslie's life that feel like were attacks against us that were going on. And with everything, with, with ministry and with work and with our personal lives, our family life and things that were going on, there were so many opportunities where I woke up and I did not feel like getting in God's word. I did not feel like putting on worship music, but I had to make a decision. I had to remind myself of this truth right here. If I'm going to wait on the Lord to see his goodness in the land of the living, what do I need to do? I need to praise in the waiting and it will build my faith. And when my faith is built and as I encourage myself in the Lord, God will strengthen my heart. So it will build your faith when you praise in the waiting. The second thing it does is it discourages the devil. When you praise in the waiting, it discourages the devil. Let me show you this verse here in Psalm 8-2. I love this. It says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Through the praise of children and infants. What, is, what does praise do? It shuts the mouth of the enemy. And here's the thing. Scripture also shows us that the devil is the father of lies. He doesn't just lie, but he is the father of lies. Basically this, if he's speaking, he's lying. He's the father of lies. So Scripture shows us that even the praise of children, what does it do? It shuts the mouth of the deceiver. The father of lies who loves to run his mouth, who loves to speak lies into you and over your life and over your job and over your family. Whenever you choose to praise, let me take you a step further. When your kids choose to praise and to worship, it shuts the enemy's mouth. And so do you want to discourage the devil from attacking you? Do you want him to be discouraged when he comes against you? Make him shut his mouth. How? By praising your Lord. Scripture says when we praise God, it will shut the mouth of the deceiver. It will shut the mouth of the avenger. And this is why many times when I take Gavin to school uh, in the morning, what happens is this, is we'll go to school together. And as I'm taking him to school, I'm going to drop him off. Oftentimes I will try to put on worship music nearly every morning, put on worship music, whether he knows the song or not, it doesn't necessarily matter. But how many of you know, oftentimes songs will get stuck in your head. And uh, usually it's the most annoying songs that get stuck in your head, but I'm prayerfully considering and just believing that when we go to school in the morning and I choose to put on worship rather than anything else, that his spirit is hearing those worship songs, not just his physical ears, but his spiritual ears. He's hearing those worship songs. And I'm just praying and believing and speaking in confidence that as he's going into school and as he's working on his math during school, that there's going to be a song that comes to mind that's stuck in his head. And it's the last thing that he heard. It's the last song that he heard, which is a worship, worship song. In, in, in our car, in the truck, as I was getting ready to drop him off. And I'm believing that he's going to be there working on math, working on his schoolwork, whatever. And as he's doing that, he's going to just be singing, be thinking about, be meditating on that worship song and what's happening. Even if the enemy, the devil, tries to come against him, his worship, according to Psalm 8-2, his worship, Gavin's worship as an eight-year-old, it will shut the mouth 
of the liar, the deceiver, the devil. And in doing so, it will discourage him. And so what happens? We need to choose to praise in the waiting. It does three things. Number one, it builds your faith. Number two, it discourages the devil. And number three, I'll close with this. It brings peace. It brings peace. Because how many of you know when you're in a season of waiting, that oftentimes waiting by itself, when you choose not to praise in it, but when you're just choosing to sit and to wait, waiting oftentimes invites worry. Waiting by itself oftentimes invites worry because thoughts like this happen. What if I don't get healed? What if that prayer doesn't get answered? What if that never happens? What if it does happen? What am I going to do about my son or my daughter who is far from the Lord? What if they never get saved? You see, when you're in a time of waiting, worry will try to creep in. But this is why we see the song of Mary. What does she do in the waiting? She praises in the waiting. See, we can't afford to wait for waiting's sake. (laughs) We can't afford to sit down and do nothing is what I'm saying. We must choose to praise in the waiting. And what happens is we invite peace into our homes, into our families, and into our lives. Psalm 29 verse 11 says this, The Lord gives His people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Can I tell you, if your home is not a place of peace, then maybe you're operating outside of God's will. There's something not in alignment because peace is a blessing and a fruit of the Spirit. It's a blessing from God. God wants you. He wants to bless you with peace. But here's what happens. How do we get peace from praising? It's found in Isaiah 9, 6. And this is a Christmas verse that many of us know, but let me remind you of it. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, what happens whenever you choose to worship You are inviting the Prince of Peace to rule and reign in your life, in your family's life, in your home. And this is why, like I said, I turn on worship music when we're going to school. Why? Because I want to set a standard and a foundation for our day, for Gavin, our son, and say, look, the Prince of Peace, Lord, we invite you in as the Prince of Peace to come in to rule and reign over our day. We give you the first. We're looking to you. We're exalting you. Would you rule? And would you reign? And when we invite the Prince of Peace to rule and reign, what we're saying is this, Lord, have your way. Let your will be done. What does a ruler do? A ruler allows or, or permits their will to be done in no one else's will. They structure the day. They set forth the day. They make the plans for the day. They put vision for the day. And so we're inviting the Prince of Peace to rule and to reign whenever we choose to praise in the waiting. And so my encouragement for you today is this. In this holiday season, in this Christmas season, when you find yourself waiting on God, and if you're not waiting now, <laughs> there will be a time soon, I promise you, when you, you are waiting on the Lord. You will find yourself in a season of waiting. I want to remind you of this, this quote from Smith Wigglesworth. I had a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, he sent this to me this past week, just encouraging me about our church and about the future of our church. And uh, this quote from Smith Wigglesworth, it says this, God is more anxious to answer than we are to ask. Many times, God is more anxious to answer than we are to ask. 
Can I tell you, I begin to understand this concept as I have grown as an earthly father for my son. I understand that many times I am more anxious to give Gavin his gifts than he is to even ask to receive them. Many times when I'm going through a store, I, I go down a, a, the toy aisle, not for me. Gavin's not even with me. I just want to see if there's something cool that I could buy for him. Many times I am more anxious to give him. And many times I think as we get closer to Christmas, as a, a father, I am more excited almost to give him his Christmas presents than he is maybe to even receive them and to open them. And our Heavenly Father is the same way. He sees you and oftentimes he is more anxious to answer your prayer. But what happens is this. Many times we are in a season of waiting. And what does our earthly kids have? What do our earthly kids have to do for us? They have to trust us. When I tell Gavin, hey, it's 15 more days, two more weeks, one more week till Christmas. Hey, it's a few more days till Christmas. To him, it still seems like forever. If it's one more day till Christmas, it might as well be a year until Christmas. It can seem like a long time, but what's he doing? He's trusting that when it's Christmas morning, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell him and I'm going to invite him to open up the gifts, the good things that I've given him under the tree. And that's exactly what God does for us. He's saying, will you trust my timing? That though you've asked for it, though you've seen it, you might not have experienced it, opened it up and, and, and seen it in your life just yet. You've seen it. Will you believe enough to wait patiently, wait on the Lord and praise in the waiting so that you can experience the goodness of God. If you find yourself in a season of waiting, don't be discouraged. Praise God in the waiting. Like, like uh, lift up a, a song of praise just like Mary did. Why? Because it will build your faith. It will it'll give you strength. It will discourage the devil and it will shut his mouth. And most importantly, it will bring you peace because you invite the Prince of Peace to rule and reign in your life, in your household, in your family's life. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love. Lord, I thank you that you are a good father. Your word says that you have good things for us, that there is no shadow, no shifting, no turning from you, but you have good things and you are the father of light. Good things come from you. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone right now that is in a season of waiting. They've seen your goodness in your word. They've heard your goodness. They've heard about your promises, Lord, but they haven't tasted it in the natural just yet. They haven't experienced it in the natural just yet. Lord, I pray for them right now. Lord, I pray, would you just encourage them? Holy Spirit, would you step into their life? Prince of Peace, would you consume them and overtake them right now in the name of Jesus? Would you give them peace? Would you give them hope? Holy Spirit, would you help us have trust towards you that while we are waiting, we can know that you are working. And though we may be praying for something and it may feel like it says, do not open until Christmas, Lord, we're gonna trust you. And when you say the time is right, we're going to open it. We're going to receive it. And at the end of it all, we're going to give you thanks for it. We're going to be grateful for it. And we're going to glorify you with what we receive and what we experience because we know it's going to be good. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.